0: Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 13. You can turn to Judges, chapter 13. You can also, once you get your hand there, you can also take your Bible and turn to Exodus, chapter 3. Judges 13 and Exodus, chapter 3. We're continuing our series entitled, God is Making a Way. And this week we're going to talk about God making a way, but He's not just making a way for you, He's making a way through you. Look into the person next to you and say, God's making a way through you. Many times people want God to make a way for them, but I want you to hear me loud and clear today. God is making a way through you today. He's raising up a people who get tired of standing around and waiting for others to do something. These people are ready to act. They see the needs all around them. They've prayed long enough. They've told the Lord about the problems long enough, and now their heart is being stirred, and they're ready to do something about it. Much like young David, who, as he stood and he heard Goliath make his accusations against Israel and his challenges against Israel. The spirit of the Lord rose up within him and he said, I'll fight Goliath. They're looking for somebody. I'll take him on. And I sense that in the spirit, God is moving in people's hearts. Even in this room today, where you've looked at the need long enough. You've talked about the need long enough. You've complained about the need long enough. And you're saying, here I am, Lord. You can use me. I'll do something about it. One of the examples from Scripture was Moses of God making a way through a person. There he is on the backside of the desert. He's minding his own business. Actually, he was minding his father-in-law's business. He was tending his father-in-law's sheep. When the Lord started dealing with him, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, then the Lord said, I have seen how cruelly my people are being treated in Egypt. I've heard them cry out to be rescued from their slave drivers. I know all about their sufferings. And so I have come down to rescue them from the Egyptians and to bring them out to a spacious land. And then we skip down to verse 10. Verse 10 says, So now go... I'm sending you to the king of Egypt so that you can lead my people out of his country. Do you see that principle there? God said, I've heard their cry. I've seen the abuse. I've seen the neglect. I've seen all the problems. I've come down to rescue them. Now you go. I'm sending you. God came down, but he sent Moses to go. Many of you are familiar with the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. The Midianites were oppressing the people of Israel. They cry out to God for help. An angel shows up into Gideon's life and he addresses him as a mighty warrior. Gideon, like many of us, would say, Well, if I'm a mighty warrior, then why is all of this bad stuff happening? Why are the circumstances the way they are? In Judges 6.14, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand, am I not sending you? Can I tell you that there are some challenges? There's some roadblocks. There's some negative things that are happening in our society, in our world. There's some battles that need to be fought. There's some mountains that need to be crossed over, that stand in the way. But God is ready. He's raising you up. He's sending you, my friend, to make a way. He's going to make a way. I want you to hear me. He's going to make a way. And he's going to do it through you. You need to get that in your spirit. There's problems. There's battles. There's difficulties. There's injustice. There's breakthroughs that are needed. And there's needs that are to be met. And we can stand around and pray about it all day. But there comes a certain point where we need to grasp a hold of that fact that God is making a way and he's raised you up to be that way maker. Jesus isn't the only way maker. We sing about him being a way maker and and, and we talk about him being a way maker. But he he says that I'm going to go to the Father and greater things than these, greater things than what you've seen me do, you're going to do and you're going to accomplish because I go to my Father. So God is going to, instead of you having this idea that somehow it's going to miraculously pop out of heaven, you need to understand that God's going to answer the prayers and God is going to provide the breakthrough, but you need to start expecting him to do it through you. Say he's going to do it through me. We're going to see from scripture that God has a plan to work through people. Even before we're born, God has a plan to use us. Even if you are an imperfect person, God has a plan to use you. I was praying on Thursday. God brings things to our mind. You know what I mean? And as I was praying, I saw how many of you have seen the work that they're doing around Lancaster County with these pipelines? Have you seen somewhere along the road or somewhere where they have these big green pipes or these big pipes and they're building pipelines? And you'll see places where. Sometimes this stuff is stacked or if you run alongside the turnpike and you head west, you'll see they've been working for a while and it's right along the turnpike and all these big, huge pipes. And as I was thinking about God using us, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but as I was thinking about God using us and God working through us, we sing a song, a vessel of honor for God. That's an old course that if you were around church that they sang. And it's this idea of us being vessels that God can work through. We think of, you know, here's this small, or maybe a large vessel that God can work through. As I was praying, I got this, this thought, this idea, and I believe it was from the Lord, of this pipeline. And you know, it's it's kind of neat to be a vessel that people see that sits around and every once in a while gets used. Do you know what I'm saying? it's kind of neat you know you're kind of on display you got a vessel and people are like oh does anyone need the bucket yes well here's this nice vessel here's this nice vase and every once in a while we pour something out of it i don't want to say i had a vision but i'm praying and it was like i got this vision i guess you'd say i didn't want to say it but this vision of these pipes and that, that they're buried you see them now but you don't see them a lot and they get buried but it's not gallons that go through them. It's literally millions of cubic feet of gas will flow through them. Not just a little bit, but millions and millions of cubic feet will just go through them and just, just rush through them for years and years and years. And I was thinking, God, isn't that what you want to do through us? Not just use us once in a while, but don't you want us to be a pipeline of, of your blessing, of your favor flowing through us. That ministry is not just a once in a while where you take me off the shelf and show me around and let everybody see me at Christmas and Thanksgiving but that ministry would be something that many times the way God used you would be buried and hidden and others would not see the depth and the vastness of how God is using you. But God wants to use you in ways that literally change nations and ways that changes regions in ways that are beyond our wildest dreams that when we stand before him, can you imagine being satisfied that Lord, you used me as a vessel every about every three months you took me out of the out of the cabinet and showed me off and you refreshed people or ministered to people? Or could you imagine standing before him after a life of being buried and hidden and know that his spirit flowed through you that refreshed thousands and tens of thousands and millions of people and people say, well, pastor, who am I? You're someone who God has called. You're someone who God has anointed. You're someone who God has handpicked for these last days to use you for his glory. Don't despise. Don't despise the place that you're in. Don't despise where you come from. Don't despise your background or the things that you say, who knows me, how could that possibly happen? It can happen when a man or a woman yields themselves to the spirit of God and simply says, God, I'm available to you. You do with me as you see fit. You use me as you want. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I yield myself to you. And if a man or a woman will do that, God will do things that would blow their minds. In our scripture text, we read about this young man in Judges 13. An example of God using imperfect people. An example of God having people planned from before they were born. Judges 13, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless. Tough situation. Unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. If you underline things in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline this verse. It says, he will take the lead. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Before this young man was ever born, God determined that this boy would take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. I wonder, my friend, what has God determined to do with your life before you were ever born? I wonder, my friend, when we stand before Almighty God, what He will say He had planned for us. I wonder when we stand before Him and we see Him face to face, if He will show us the glories that He desired to accomplish through this young man God had already planned before He was ever born that He would begin, that He would take the lead in delivering the Israelites from the hand of the Philistine. This boy was to be a Nazarite. This word comes from the Hebrew word Nazir, and it means to be separated or consecrated person. Nazarites were individuals who had taken a vow, or do you realize this? Their parents were able to take a vow on behalf of them. From the beginning, their lives were completely dedicated to God, either for a lifetime or they could take a Nazarite vow for a period of time. You can read about this in Numbers chapter 6. And if you read about it, it says a couple of things. A Nazarite vow was not just for men. A woman could take a Nazarite vow as well. As they took this vow, they had to avoid any wine or strong drink, anything that had to do with the fruit of the vine. They could not touch dead bodies, even if it was a relative, a near relative, because it would defile them. And no razor was to touch their head. Samuel was one like this john the baptist was one and samson would have been a Nazarite. it's amazing what can be accomplished through a life that's fully devoted to god samuel became one of the greatest spiritual leaders in israel's history it just amazes me there sometimes our kids are already grown up and but i, I want to encourage you those of you who are young and having children before they're ever born dedicate them to god before they're ever born, give your child back to God. From the moment that you find out that you're in your wife's womb or in your womb, from that moment, that's one of the things that we did with our kids. The first time we found out, we're in the bathroom upstairs with those little EPT tests or whatever they're called, and Lori's like, dear, what did it say? He's like, we're going to have a baby, dear. What, the very first thing we do, we dedicated our children to the Lord. Before we called anybody, before we told anybody, before we did anything, we stopped and we prayed and we committed our children's lives to the Lord. Listen to me. Mom and dad, you have authority. God's anointed you. He's entrusted that child to your life. And so you have the authority in Jesus' name to pray and to dedicate your children's lives to the Lord. That's what Samuel's mother did. Remember, Hannah was praying for a son. She, too, was barren. There again, your situation. So many people allow their situation to stop them from doing or to think they can't do what God wants to accomplish through them. There's Hannah. She's barren, and and as she's barren, she prays, and she made a vow to God, saying, Lord Almighty, if you'll only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and don't forget your servant... But give her a son, then I'll give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. She knew about this Nazarite vow. Well, the unborn child that was dedicated to God, who would take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines, was Samson. And throughout his life, we read of him doing great exploits for God. In fact, he became a leader in Israel for 20 years the spirit of the Lord would come upon Samson and he would do great exploits for God. You see, God had created him and designed him to be able to bring freedom and liberty to others. God had anointed him and empowered him to throw off chains of injustice and to avenge wrongs. He was a terror to the enemies of Israel, but he took the anointing lightly. He played with sin and he compromised. And for him, the issue was these ungodly women. He had a woman problem. He had a spiritual problem. He had a heart issue, but it showed itself through his lust for women and his compromising in this area. And you know the story. And We don't have time to go through all the great exploits that he did. We don't have time to go through the ways that the women problems led to a lot of problems in his life. But one day, he's sitting there with Delilah, And again and again, he would tell her what the secret to his strength was. The amazing thing is is when he would tell her, if anybody does this to me, I'll lose my strength. I'll be like everybody else. And two minutes later, she would do it to him, and the Philistines would show up, and he would throw her off. It's amazing how sin can blind us, how our lust can blind us, how our flesh can blind us to the truth. So again and again, and so finally, she kind of nags him a little bit, And, you know, know, if you care about me, you would tell me your secret. Well, I've been telling you my secrets, and you've been trying to get me killed. So, Judges 16, verse 17, it says, so after a while, it says, so he told her everything. He says, no razor has ever been used on my head. He said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave. And I would become as weak as any other man When delilah saw that he had told her everything She sent words to the rulers of the philistines She says come back once more. He's told me everything So the rulers of the philistine returned with the silver in their hands After putting him to sleep on her lap She called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair And so began to subdue him And his strength left then she called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep. Right there, that's a, that's a word for somebody. He awoke from his slumber. He awoke from his sleep. Finally, he starts to wake up. And he thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him. And they gouged out his eyes and they took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles and set him to grinding grain into prison. I want you to see this. Here is this man with an incredible call upon his life. You're going to lead the way. And delivering my people from the oppression of the Philistines. Before he was born, that was the call upon his life. Signs of that anointing, signs of that were the great exploits that he was able to accomplish. And now, this man who was, his life was to bring freedom and deliverance to the children of Israel, now he finds himself blind, shackled, and doing the work of the donkey. What an irony. The man who brags and says, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have made donkeys out of them. With the jawbone of the donkey, I've killed a thousand men. Now he is doing the work of a donkey. This one man who was able to break shackles off and rip the gates, literally rip the gates of the city off and carry them, some people say miles away, uphill was now shackled and he couldn't do anything about it. This man who at one time used his eyes to look around and to lust for these beautiful Philistine women. He wouldn't have been happy with a woman of the children of Israel. His eyes drew him away. Now the very thing that drew him away was removed from him and he was blinded. And there he stands. This man who was made by God and designed by God to be a deliverer, was himself in bondage. But verse 22 says, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Aren't you glad, friend, that the hair on his head began to grow again? There's something very powerful because the hair on his head was a sign of the covenant that he had with God. And although he had violated his covenant with God and although he had sinned against God and God had warned him time and time again and and tried to have his family talk to him and and all those things, the hair on his head began to grow again. For many of us as we read that, it's just kind of like a small piece. Okay, so his hair started to grow. It was the promise that... God's going to use you one more time. That God is not finished with you. Even if you've made mistakes, even if you've you've squandered great opportunities. Yes, he had made a lot of poor decisions. He had failed in many ways. But God still wanted to accomplish his purpose through him. In Judges 16, verse 23, it says this. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God and to celebrate by saying, Our God delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. I'm to tell you what, that's what the enemy loves to do. After he has defeated or trapped a man or a woman of God, he loves to mock them. He loves to put them on display. He loves to humiliate them, degrade them, loves to glory in their shame. And Samson said to the servant, formed for them, when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to his servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple. So that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women, and all the leaders of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Listen to this prayer Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, Strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which a temple stood, bracing himself against him, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people on it. Thus he killed many more when he died, then while he lived, do you hear Samson's cry? At the end of his life, he realized that God still had a purpose and a plan for him. At the end of his life, when he's in this down place, this difficult place, when he's being humiliated and mocked by others, he remembered that God still had a purpose. God said he was going to do something through him. And in those last moments, uh, that part of his life where others would have given up, what does he call out to God? He says, God, remember me. One more time, Lord. One more time, let your spirit come upon me. One more time, let your anointing come upon me. One more time, would your power flow through my body. And he was willing to sacrifice his own life so that God's kingdom and God's purposes Could be advanced. What an incredible story, Lord! Just one more time, can I say it to you today? I don't know that that was necessarily God's first plan for Samson. I think God wanted him to lead Israel in victory over their enemies. I think Samson—he'd have given Samson another jawbone of a donkey. He could have given him a jawbone of a goat and destroyed his enemies. God may have had other plans and purposes, but God's ultimately God's plan and his purpose to bring freedom to the Israel, to bring, lead others into freedom, was accomplished through the life of Samson. And in the last moments of his life, the Bible says he accomplished more. He destroyed more of the enemies of Israel than in his whole life put together. In Genesis chapter 22, it tells us the account. Of Abraham with his son Isaac. Abraham had waited so long. It's one thing to sacrifice or to give up something. That you haven't waited long for. That you know there's another. You have a bunch. Now I wouldn't want to do that with my children. You know the story I'm going to be talking to you about. Abraham sent God to tell him to offer up his son Isaac. As a sacrifice. And the Bible tells us that Abraham took his son and he walked with his son up onto Mount Moriah. He builds an altar. He gets the wood. He prepares the wood. And then he has his son. He lays his son on that altar. And he raises his hand. And he's ready to drive the knife into his son's chest. In Genesis twenty-two fifteen, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. The Lord had stopped him. He said, don't, stop it. He was willing to give his son Isaac his life. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I'll surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. It's one thing for God to bless you. All of us want. But there was a sacrifice that there was a willingness on Abram's part that brought him into a place where not only was he going to be blessed, because God already told me he blessing, But he said, I'm going to bless your offspring. And through your offspring, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of you. Because of what? Because of your obedience. Because of your sacrifice. Now I wonder today in this room, I wonder what God would accomplish through the men and women in this room if they would be willing to give their lives... Completely and wholly to the Lord. If they'd be willing to give their business completely and wholly to the Lord. If they'd be willing to give their children completely and wholly to the Lord. If they'd be willing to give their hurts and the disappointments and the trials and the things of life that they were embarrassed about, their brokenness, and if they would be willing to give that to God, I wonder what God would do through a room like this. There's Abraham up in the middle of nowhere on a mountain with his son. And God says, through you, through your children, through your descendants, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. I wonder what God wants to do with men and women who are struggling with addiction. I wonder what God would do through some men and women who would give their areas of brokenness like that to God. I wonder if there's some people in this room who you've suffered in your marriage or in your relationships. And if you'd be willing to surrender that to God, I wonder what God would do to other marriages. I wonder what God would do through you and through your children and through your children's children if you would simply give yourself and surrender yourself wholly and completely to God. I wonder what He would do. I know one thing he'll do. He'll make you a channel, a blessing. He wouldn't have showed me those things. He'll make you. You might be buried and people might not see you. And you might not be on display. But he'll make you a blessing like that pipeline that he'll flow through you. And when you stand before him, you'll realize, you'll realize it was worth it all. Oh God, give me another life to give for you. Give me another life to give for you. Give me another opportunity. What you've placed in my heart. Lord, give me another trial. Give me another heartache. Because when I surrender that to you, and I lay that on the altar, you make something awesome out of it. I make decisions for my house. As long as my kids live in my house, I'm the dad. I'm the boss. I'm in charge. You will never, ever, 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 ever have to question Who's the boss at Steve Ritchie's house? I'm in charge there. It's mine. As long as they live in my house, they're going to do what I say. Now, can I tell you what it'll do? When they listen to dad, it'll lead them into blessing. It'll lead them into victory. God will prosper their lives. I don't say that arrogantly, but it's my role as a dad to lead them. It's my role as a pastor to lead this house. And my role as a pastor is to say this, that we as God's people, if you're going to be here, We're going to be fully devoted to the Lord. We're going to surrender our lives to Him. And when you do that, can I tell you what it will lead you into, friend? It will lead you into victory. It will lead you into joy. It will lead you into breakthrough. I'm not twisting your arm and forcing you. I'm just saying, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me in this house, we're going to surrender ourselves to the Lord. And we're going to make ourselves available to Him. If you're going to be here, you're going to make yourself available. God, would you use me? God, would you flow through my life? God, would you touch through my life? Would you make me that channel of blessing that your grace and your mercy flows through so that I can make a difference in the world? Not just in my family, not just in New Holland, but God, that I can make a difference in the world.